Hello guys, my name is Helen. And my name is Tayo. We're the Imprint Leicester interns. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new, we would love for you to subscribe to our channel, Imprint TV. And you can also find us on Imprint Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless. Make the lame man walk again You cause the dead to rise And that's why we dance in liberty Cause you're doing it all again Oh, 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 oh Cause you're doing it all again Oh, 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 oh You make the blind man see Make the lame man walk again You cause the dead to rise And that's why we dance in liberty you're doing it all again You're never ending. 
partnership between God and the Christian family, the church. God is the source of all things, including our money, and we give back to him in the form of tithes and offerings. This enables the church to undertake the work to which God has called us, extending the kingdom and giving to his name. You can give via bank transfer or at weareimprint.org slash give.
Hey guys, welcome to Imprint Church. I hope you're having a blessed Sunday. The weather has been sweet. And um, today we're continuing our series on Kairos moments. So Kairos moments are essentially defining moments. And we've kind of looked at like how to discern what season we're in. Um, we've looked at examples of how people have lived their lives and different moments that have been um, pivotal in, in their walk. And we've also looked at like, well, what about when I've discerned a moment and I've been, it's just been different to what I expected. I've, I've figured out that I was, I was supposed to do this and this was supposed to be the season that I'm in. And what do I do when things are unexpected? Um, and Justin's message was essentially talking about how we we look to God and we worship. And so I'm just continuing on in that series and looking at um, kind of continuing on with that theme of worship and moments of kind of maybe bringing those things together um, and, and continuing on with that school of thought. So the whole premise of of what I want to say today is that God uses ordinary people you know ordinary people are the ones that have God encounters and go on to change the world ordinary people used by an extraordinary God can change the world and I just kind of want to look at um, some examples in the Bible and also some examples um, in history and um, just 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 a vibe with God. Um, I have been so in awe of God this week, um, especially in studying for this message and I'm reading these stories, they've really um, sparked up faith within me and I hope that um, this can really be a blessing to you. So, um, oftentimes in our faith, we can, we can kind of get stuck, you know? And I kind of want to like, look at that and unpack that a little bit. So, God's original design was to us for us to have communion with him, to be like the Garden of Eden, right? So that um, we would walk with God and, and, and be in deep fellowship with him. The Bible talks about how creation was made for his pleasure. It wasn't because he needed us, but because he wanted to share with us. He wanted to love on us. He wanted to be with us. He wanted to be in fellowship with us. But you know, when Adam and Eve did their own thing, um, and wanted to make their own choices and wanting to wanted to do things outside of God. Um, it resulted in there being a rift and a separation, them not being able to be in holy places because they no longer were holy. Um, and this this causing them to have to leave the garden and have to toil and, and live in the world that we currently see. But that was never God's original intention. He wanted us to be holy. He wanted us to live with him. He wanted us to, to, to dwell in the goodness of God. And, he, and that was his, his plan. But we see like in the Old Testament, there was this separation. God would dwell with his people, but had to be in the Ark of the Covenant. Um, eventually, when the temple was formed and there was a tabernacle, you know, it became that there was the outer courts and the Holy of Holies and sorry, outer courts, holy place and the holies of holies. And God dwelt in the holies of holies. And we did not have access 
access to him. Only the high priest. And he had to be sanctified. It was only once a year. He had to do all of these rituals. And we were just separated from God. But he had a plan. Even from the Garden of Eden, even from Genesis, he had a plan. Um, which was Jesus. And you might be wondering why I'm recapping all of this. But there's, a, there's something that... There's a wonder and an awe that always falls on me when, when I think about just how amazing God is and just how, how much of a redeemer he is, right? So Jesus came and Jesus was the one that was going to bring man and God back into union, back into fellowship, like a man and his wife. That's kind of what Jesus is to the church. Jesus is the groom and the church is his bride. And, you know, the, the foundation of our faith is that Jesus died. And because he was perfect, because he was God in flesh, he was able to forgive my sins. He was able to take all my sins, take all my pain, take all my shame, take all the stuff that separates me from God. And when he died and rose again, I was now able to access God. I was now able to have deep fellowship with him. I was now able to have deep communion with him. And I now was called a son and a daughter. The Holy Spirit entered into me when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I accepted the fact that on the cross, my sins were forgiven. They were taken and they were buried and they were, they were you know, literally like um, hit on the cross. They were there and now, I can live free as a son and a daughter. And the reason why I say we get stuck is that sometimes, even though we may know these truths, we get stuck there because we say that, you know, am I actually going to go to heaven? Does God actually love me? Maybe I still need to work hard and maybe God will, God will love me if I do this and maybe God will love me if I do that. But the foundation of our faith is that Jesus died and rose again so that you would be a son and daughter, so that you would be saved, so that you would have access to the kingdom of heaven. And that is the starting point of our faith. You know, in Matthew 4, 17, it says, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words. Keep turning away from your sins. Repent. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God. For heaven's reigning kingdom is now accessible. Jesus gives us the promise that it's not just about salvation. There is more. The kingdom of heaven is near. You know, other scriptures say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus would go around, um, even in Matthew 4 verse 23, Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all of the promise of province of Galilee. He taught in the Jewish meeting houses, preaching the hope of the kingdom realm and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. His fame spread everywhere. Many people who were in pain and suffering with every kind of illness were brought to Jesus for their healing. Epileptics, paralytics and those tormented by demonic powers were all set free. Everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed. This resulted in massive crowds of people following him, including people from Galilee, Jerusalem, the land of Judah, and the regions of the 10 cities called the Decop Decopolis and beyond the Jordan River. 
Jesus healed every single person that he saw. And he often talked about how the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what does that look like? What does the kingdom of heaven mean? So first of all, there was an amazing picture by Theo um, at Junimus. And he spoke about how we enter the garden, which kind of represents um, salvation. It represents healing. It represents um, communion, right? The garden of Eden, God's original plan. So when we're saved, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we enter into this garden. And then we meet Jesus and he gives us these keys and he says, here are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Do with it what you will. And he asked a very important question even in that Junimus um, live and he said, you know, if, if we were created to get to heaven, if we were created to be saved, then why are we still here? Why are we still here? Oh, sorry, I think this was um, Eduardo um, who said this. Um, why are we still here? It's because we are here to, to live in the fullness of, of what Jesus has purchased for us. The kingdom of heaven, to live in the kingdom of heaven, to share the kingdom of heaven, to go and make disciples. That was the Great Commission. There is a purpose for us now. There is there's more than just... Um, trying to figure out if God loves me. There's more than just wondering if we're gonna get into heaven. There is an, there's a realm, there's an access that God has given you. He says that you are a son and a daughter and an heir of him. And so the first thing that we have access to when we talk about the kingdom of heaven is we have access to God himself, the communion, the fellowship that God originally attended is restored. The second thing that we have access to is, is victory, even in our own personal lives. I was watching a talk on forgiveness and it was talking about how God's original design was for us to be, um, you know, be innocent and childlike and, and have our purity intact. But, you know, there can be things that happen to us even in our childhoods or across our lives that, that can alter our perceptions. But as we forgive people, as we accept that they've done this, and it's made me feel like this. Um, we can rescue back the things that were stolen. We can rescue back innocence. We can rescue back purity. We can rescue back um, the truth that I am loved. The truth that my validation comes from Christ and Christ alone. There's a victory that we can declare in our inner healing and even in our minds. We can not entertain thoughts of the enemy but we can entertain thoughts that have good fruit and that have the fruits of the holy spirit there's a victory that god has god has won jesus has won for you the third thing um that is that it changes the way that we pray the bible talks about how we have every spiritual blessing we have access to every spiritual blessing that we can that god can do more than we can think and even ask in Ephesians 2.19. And so the way that we pray for our worlds, the way that we, we intercede, we claim from the heavenly realms. We declare what we see on heaven. We have access to that here on earth. And we can declare and it changes the way that we pray. And the final thing is, it changes the way, the fruit that we see. We can pray for people and see that they are healed. Because in heaven there is no sickness, there is no disease, there is no pain, there is no suffering. In heaven there is, there is just goodness. And this is God's original design and we can declare that here on earth. 
even in terms of the prophetic, giving words of knowledge, it's about communion. It's about hearing the Father's heart for me personally as his child and hearing the Father's heart for his children. And these signs and wonders are just fruits of the communion. This victory that we can declare, these prayers, they're all fruits of the communion that God is between God and man that is now finally restored. So I kind of wanted to go back to what I was saying before, which is God uses ordinary people to change the world. And I believe that these ordinary people accepted the fact that despite my flaws, despite everything that's wrong with me, I am forgiven and I have access to the heavenly realms. I have access to everything I need to go out and, and, and make disciples, to go out and share the good news that they also, you also have access to this kingdom realm, to the kingdom of heaven, which is at hand. It was at hand 2000 years ago and is at hand now. So I kind of wanted to read Acts 22 verses 14 which talks about Paul's journey so Acts 22 verse 14 ah. so let's go from the beginning um, verse 3 um, this is Paul I'm um, describing the story so he says I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Sicilia but brought up in the city educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day, he's speaking to um, Pharisees. I persecuted the way to death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of the elders can bear me witness. From them, I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those who were there and bring them to bonds, as in chains, to, to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way to, to go and punish people and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me as I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was held by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and came by me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him and to and to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptised and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And it goes on to say that, you know, he went to Jerusalem and he went into another trance and he heard the Lord again. But this was a defining moment. This was a God moment. This was a God encounter. God, you know, I heard a, a, a recent live and they were talking about how 
God uses our weaknesses as a weapon. He uses broken people. And that's a whole other message. And it's a powerful one. But we can even see here in this example, God used an ordinary person and a person filled. Yeah. And Paul saw, Paul saw some incredible things in his lifetime. He, he did all these missionary journeys. He went from city to city to city. And he just saw people being saved you know cities turning to to learn about Jesus and you know in Acts 20 verse 16 but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God he just lived a life of surrender he he didn't stop at um, I had a God moment and now I'm comfortable. He, he allowed that moment to catalyze him into a life of surrender, into a life of worship, into a life of going from city to city to city. He saw mass healings. He saw um, even he got um, bitten by a snake and it should have poisoned him and he should have died and he got healed. And, um, you know, leaders of, of cities and and um, even people who were in witchcraft and and you know all of those different things recognize that wow Jesus is the Jesus is the son of God Jesus is the Messiah Jesus is Lord um, even when we see um, Peter he has a whole story about meeting Jesus and Jesus telling him to to come and follow me and him just going from encounter to encounter, moment to moment, from even on the waves and walking on water and denying him even having a, um, a moment where he was denying Jesus and then and then meeting Jesus after, after Jesus had actually died and, and having meals with him and just, you know, even if you don't necessarily know these stories, but just that, that pattern of um, moment to moment to moment to moment. Um, there's a really powerful... Um, quote so in Acts 4 they continually reminded themselves of the apostles teaching and if we um, if I just read this um, quote from um, this book called Defining Moments by Bill Johnson it says they were continually Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This basically means that they continue to renew themselves in the basic priorities of their lives over and over again. That's what staying filled with the Holy Spirit is. It's renewing the contract of total surrender again and again and again so that he might be fully manifested in and through us. And, you know, even as we look at that, that, that passage in Acts 2 where Pentecost had just come, the Spirit of God had just fell, fell down in a powerful way. You know, we see the believers meeting together, sharing everything they had, selling their property, possessions, sharing money with the poor, worshipping together each day. Um, they had a God moment. You know, we we're talking about Peter's moments, but even the early church had a God moment of Pentecost. But they allowed that moment to catalyze them. They allowed that moment to, to draw them into um, a life of, of wanting more of God. It wasn't enough. They wanted more. And you can see the fruit. 
They shared everything they had. Um, Paul had a boldness. Um, he was able to pray and, and see um, amazing healings, amazing faith. There were fruits that came from this God encounter that gave them the grace to do everything that God had called them to do. And it's just, um, God added to their fellowship each and every day in Acts 2. You just saw powerful, powerful manifestations. Um, but you know, Saul is another um, another example where um, he had defining moments where he wasn't um, he didn't have a repentant heart. This was Saul that was around King David's era, well before Jesus's time. And in, in um, First Chronicles ten thirteen, it talks about how you know because of Saul's disobedience and also. His heart posture, essentially, it says, First Chronicles 10. So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command and even consulted a medium, which is a witch, instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. And even if we look at Saul's life, we can see someone who was focused on themselves. Um, he constantly wanted to do things his way. There was a moment where he was supposed to wait um, for the prophet Samuel before he did a sacrifice. Um, Samuel was supposed to do the sacrifice, but Saul wanted to come in. There was a moment where he had um, he was king and he had a battle, um, but he just didn't obey God. He wanted to do things his way. And he cared more about what the people thought of him rather than um, a heart for God. And so there's such power in our heart postures and so um you know what what does that mean okay those were bible stories but what does that mean for our hearts and our lives like right now so essentially what we're saying is that people can have defining moments people can have god encounters but it's up to us it's up to us to, to allow those moments to catalyze us, to push us into the destiny in which God has for us. Um, the people that we were looking at in terms of Paul uh, and Peter and the early church, they didn't allow the moment to stop in the moment. They, they had a lifetime of surrender, a lifetime of encounter. Worship is us laying our lives down on the altar and burning away ourselves, our our frustrations, our pain, our idols, our our, our pride. That's what worship is. It's 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 not just music. It's 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 surrender, and it's our response, as you were saying before, our response to the incredible gift that Jesus has given us. And we can actually learn from revivalists. So I've been reading some um, stories of. Um, Smith Wigglesworth um, and um, Catherine Coleman. So Smith's Wigglesworth was a man of great faith and he lived in the 1850s to 1950s. And he had a powerful God moment in the 1900s where he essentially, um, he was a plumber, and but he was kind of an evangelist. So he kind of um, uh, had faith to see 50 people healed each Sunday. And, um, you know, he he felt like he couldn't really speak and um, he wasn't a great communicator. So him and his wife, Polly, planted a church, but he kind of left Polly to like do a lot of the preachings. But in the early 1900s, um, 
he went to a healing conference and he saw um, people in crutches getting healed. So when he came back, um, an elderly lady and a young man prayed for him as he had had appendicitis and he got healed. And so in their church, they started seeing people getting healed and every single person they prayed, they prayed for for appendicitis also got healed. Um, and it was really, really cool. And then he went to another conference. And so his church in Bradford, um, he was around early 20s, I think. Uh, I don't know, I think he was around 50. And his early, his church had seen a lot of manifestations of healing, but they hadn't seen tongues. But then when they went to an, a conference in Leeds Healing, um, Healing Home, they, they were actually, um, they, they were, um, they had the gift of tongues. Um, but he couldn't see anyone actually speaking in tongues, but they had had that gift um, um, outpouring there. And so he was so desperate and so hungry that he actually kind of was interrupting the sessions because he was so hungry. He really wanted um, the gift of tongues. And eventually someone prayed for him. He fell to the ground and, and felt the, the presence of God. And he started praying in tongues and had this amazing vision of God saying that he was purifying him and cleaning him and forgiving him of all his sins. So he went back to Bradford and spoke, to, told his wife about this amazing encounter, but he couldn't actually speak in tongues. So his wife said, like, you know what What's really going to show me, like, if you if you've really met God um, and if you had a really different encounter, as you've said, it's actually going to be through your fruit. So he went up on Sunday and he started preaching and there was a new boldness. There was a new way he was communicating. He was completely healed from the way he was communicating before. And he was just, there was something different about him. And, and he prayed for the church and the church actually started praying in tongues, but he couldn't pray in tongues again for another nine months. And he just saw encounters after encounters. His wife actually died in 1913 and she, she was resurrected. But then the Lord told him that, you know, it's time for her to go. And so when she died, he then went to the nations and started preaching. and started seeing um, cities and nations um, turn to the Lord. And um, he would just have powerful encounters. Like he wouldn't even need to say anything. But there would be like five people in the train carriage coming up to him, telling him, what can I do to be saved? And um, he prayed for people, um, he, he would pray for like streets and people in their cars and then he would see people, thousands standing outside a town hall, um, talk, asking them how can he be saved. Um, he even saw the, the miracles that Peter saw where it was even in his shadow that people would put mattresses out and, and lay down. Um, as they were sick and his shadow would, would heal them. There would be, he would pray over a handkerchief and then a mother put the handkerchief under a son's, um, under the son's um, pillow and their marriage would be restored, uh, the son's marriage with his wife. And, um, you know, he got bitten by a snake and he got healed as well. And it's just, it's just, the, the testimony of Jesus has the spirit of prophecy. God has no favourites and he's unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So all the testimonies that we've, we've heard of this, these men and women of God, um, they're accessible to us now. Um, it's like a relay race. 
They've run so far and they've given us a baton to go and run and go further ahead. But we see from these lives, from, from Apostle Paul's life to um, Smith Wigglesworth to um, even there's another example of Catherine Coleman. And she, she was, she loved God. She loved God. She loved God. And um, she, she met God at 14 years old. And then 20 years later, she had a powerful encounter with him um, at a place called Dead End Street. Um, in 1944 and basically she loved her husband more than life itself but um, and but she loved her husband more than she loved God and essentially she had a powerful encounter where she said that she would lay down everything for the Lord and then two years later when she was preaching about the Holy Spirit someone's tumour actually got healed um, and, and, and actually got you know they no longer had a cancer and um it was just powerful that hundreds would get healed without her even saying anything and thousands got healed in her ministry um i think smith wigglesworth saw 14 people raised from the dead and um there's just some powerful um quotes that i just wanted to read so when catherine coleman was asked about the gift of healing and whether she had it she said, I would never say that I have ever received any gift. I'm leery of folks who boast of this or that gift. The greatest of the Christian graces is humility. All I know is that I have yielded my body to him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And anything the Holy Spirit has given me, any results there might be in this life of mine, is not Catherine Coleman. It's the Holy Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit does to a yielded vessel. That is one thing I am so afraid of. I'm afraid lest I grieve the Holy Spirit, for when the Holy Spirit is lifted from me, I am the most ordinary person that ever lived. As I've said before, I'm not a faith healer. I've not been given anything special. What I have is something that any Christian could have if he would pay the price of full surrender and yieldedness. I am absolutely dependent on the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and she just continued being desperate. She had a life of being desperate for the presence of God. For, and she treated the Holy Spirit as a person and honoured him. There was even another quote. Um, and this is from the book, Departing Moments by Bill Johnson. I know someone who stood behind the curtain of one of Catherine Coleman's meetups, positioned in a place where she couldn't have known he was there. He saw her alone behind the curtain praying. The way that she prayed and confessed her need for the Holy Spirit in that moment changed his life forever. It broke him, making him hungry for what she had. That moment didn't reveal great power for miracles. Neither did it display great revelation, knowledge of the word. It was a moment of such tenderness towards the Holy Spirit that this individual almost felt awkward watching it. When Catherine Coleman finally took the stage, she was confident in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That confidence had no other foundation than her awareness of God and his heart for people. And I just I just feel like these these lives, they just they challenge us. They challenge us to look at our own heart posture. These are ordinary people with God moments that changed everything. But the reason why they changed everything was because they let that fire burn. They, they cultivated that fire, they stewarded that, stewarded that fire, they lived a life 
of chasing after Jesus, chasing after communion. You know, we don't seek God for a spouse or a job or an anointing, but we seek him for him. But there's fruits, you know, these are these are the fruits of being in communion with Jesus, of, of following his commission, of going out and making disciples. And I really believe that this is a season of, of being still, of knowing God. You know, this is the season that we've been in for the last few months has, has shown us where our heart really is at. You know, the season has shown us um, what's truly inside. Um, and, and some of the things that we've seen, it hasn't been the best. But the promise that God gives us is that you know, as we go into his presence, as we continually just commune with him and fellowship with him, um, we, we become more like him. And there's so much that he can do with our life. And there's so much joy to be found in a life that is surrendered to the, to the almighty. You know, the Bible talks about knowing God. You know, are we running ahead of him? Are we running around him? Are we so distracted in this time that we, we don't know God, that we're not still? You know, people can say that we can be alone. Yeah, we can be alone in the presence of God, but are we actually engaging in the presence of God? Are we actually present in the presence of God? I just feel like the, the, there's a call for more. You know, some of us have been at a conference in Dunamis. Some of us have um, had experiences a few years ago and called those the glory days. Some of us are really missing the corporate gatherings, but there is a call in the now. You know, you've had God moments, or maybe you haven't, and maybe this might even be a God moment for you, where God is meeting you right now. And he's saying, what are you gonna do now? You have the keys to the kingdom. You're saved, you know, you, you're a son, you're a daughter, that's unchanging. But, but what, what, what do you want to do with that? What's the fruit that's going to come from your God encounter? What's the fruit that's going to come from the moments? You know, there was a story of Randy Clark and he had a prophetic word from John Wimber. But it took 10 years for that prophetic word to come to pass because he didn't quite have the faith because there was another prophetic word that came in from somebody else and that gave him the faith to be able to launch into what the original prophetic word was over his life. It's never too late. It's never too late to access prophetic words, to even tap into the testimonies of these people that I've mentioned and more, to tap into the testimonies of, of lives that you've seen that are on fire for Jesus. You know, and becoming on fire for Jesus doesn't come from um, always feeling it. It comes from even a discipline. Uh, and where I feel like God wants to redeem the word discipline because he doesn't want us to strive for his love. But there's a discipline in coming and, and wanting to love God. Not because we, we want to be loved but because we want to love God, because we are already loved and that's unchanging. But there's something about coming to the, to the word every day and reading it um, and, and asking the Holy Spirit for the desire to read the word, asking the Holy Spirit for the desire to worship, asking the Holy Spirit 
to, to, to change us and it, it's, we become like the one we worship, we become like him and there's a call to make him Lord over our lives and to give him everything. You know, what can God do with your God moments? You know, God moments are, are flashy and amazing, but they're catalyzed by the everyday communion. And we're changed by the everyday surrender. And um, yeah, I just wanted to leave you with that. Um, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that um, the Lord just draws you close to him. Um, for some of us, he might be reminding us of moments that we've had in our lives. Or some of us, we're waiting for more God encounters and we, we long for more God encounters. I just declare and decree in Jesus' name that the Lord will meet you even where you're at right now. That you will live a life um, surrendered to him, a life that's desperate for more of the presence of God. You will not be satisfied with what you've seen. I pray in the name of Jesus that the moments that you've experienced or the moments that you will experience, that you will, you will always want more. That there will be something that takes place in your secret place as you have access to the almighty God right now, wherever you're at. Um, yeah, I just declare that and decree that in Jesus' name. And I just wanted to say one final thing that um, lovers are learners and God doesn't want you to be perfect. Um, this is something that Stephanie Gretzinger said that, you know, it's not about being perfect, but it's about coming back. And she also said that, Hunger is inevitable, but desire is learnt. So hunger, we will always be hungry for something, but it's up to us to train our appetites to want to, to feed off the word of God. You know, if we always eat donuts, we'll be hungry for donuts. But if we start eating healthier things, we'll be hungry and we will want healthier things. Um, in the kingdom of God, um, we eat to become hungry. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. As we eat, we become hungrier for more of the Lord. Um, yeah, there's just so much to say about this topic, but I just pray that you will have, um, that this will really bless you and this will really inspire you to know that God uses ordinary people to change the world and that um, there is so much um, to be found in a lifetime of surrender to Jesus. So yeah, God bless you guys. We are now going to enter into a time of worship. And if anything in the sermon stuck out to you or you'd like prayer for anything at all, don't hesitate to contact us. We would love to pray for you. And if you're new to faith or would like to give your life to Jesus, we'd love to pray or answer any questions you might have. So join us now by clicking on the link in the description box below. You can also send us any prayer requests by DMing any of our social media accounts. And we are always praying for you, family. The power of sin is broken
And if you're new to the faith and would love to give your life to Christ or just possibly find out more about Jesus, please find us at weareimprint.org and someone on our team would love to get connected with you. Lastly, we have post-church mingle for those who would love to get to know the community a little bit more. So to fellowship with us, please access the Zoom link below. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week. God bless.